All eyes are on Ohio. The debate over issue one, which would raise the threshold to 60 percent to amend the Ohio Constitution, is heating up. I'll have a special guest on the program today. And now that states are outlawing abortion, the issue about whether women should be criminalized uh, for committing abortions is now a debate amongst pro-lifers across America. You'll get my take on it here today on The Mark Harrington Show. Welcome, everyone. My name is Mark Harrington, and you are tuned in to The Mark Harrington Show. You can find out more by going to markharrington.org. I'm also the president and founder of Created Equal, the pro-life organization that takes abortion victim imagery to college and high school campuses all across Ohio. And if you've been following me recently, you know that the mother of all battles is happening here in the state of Ohio. I've been uh, sounding the alarm since early 2023 uh, that we had this high likelihood that there's going to be an abortion amendment on the November ballot. And if you're not from the state of Ohio, I, I'm exhorting you to still stay tuned because you can affect the outcome here. We need you to come to Ohio. You can help fund the organizations that are uh, on the ground here. And it's so important as far as the, the issue of abortion across America that we defeat this uh, amendment that could be on the ballot in November. So in order to get an update, because we're getting real close to this August 8th vote, I have uh, as my guest today, Mike Anadakis, who is the president of Ohio Right to Life. And Mike and I have known each other for many, many years, been in many battles, including, uh, you know, the passage of the historic Ohio heartbeat bill, which was signed into law in 2019. Uh, Mike, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for all your hard work. We appreciate you being on the program. Oh, thank you, Mark, for having me. It's an honor. And uh, thank you for all that you're doing across the great state of Ohio and across the country. I, I mean, you're, you're bringing the fight right to the, our campuses uh, at our universities, our liberal universities, and then our high school students, too. No greater work than yours, my friend. Well, I appreciate that. You know, uh, Mike, I, you know, I, I really I'm just going to digress for a minute here. I, 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 I was so, so thankful to the work you did to get this thing on the ballot on August 8th. I know you didn't do it alone, but you did uh, yeoman's work in getting those 62 votes in the Ohio House of Representatives to get HJR1 passed. And then this, now we're looking at the special election. That was a difficult task, my brother. <laughs> I mean, I was, that was a historic day. It reminds me of the heartbeat bill vote in many respects. Uh, I hope that, you know, obviously we win in August 8th, but I, I got to tell you, that was that was a special moment. And you really did some great work there. So I, we're indebted to the hard work you do there at Ohio Right to Life. Uh, let's jump right in. Well, I want to give an update on what's going on. First of all, people understand this. August 8th in Ohio, there is a special election that would raise the threshold to 60 percent to amend the Ohio Constitution. Now, why is that important? Well, first of all, there are only 10 states that have a 50 plus one vote to amend a constitution, state constitution. Ohio is one of those. Michigan was one of those. And unfortunately, last November, they passed an, a, an abortion amendment that raised the threat uh, uh, that basically enshrined abortion into the Michigan Constitution. 
we're trying to prevent that from happening here, of course. Uh, we don't know for sure if it's going to get on the ballot. We're going to get to that. But before that, we have this vote on August 8th. It's not just about abortion. There is a very broad coalition. We're going to be talking about that. But as a pro-lifer, obviously, that's my main concern. And I know, Mike, that's one of your main concerns. So let's talk about this. Um, Ten states, Ohio's one of them. There's a 50 plus one. Uh, Most states, I think it's 32, have no citizen-initiated amendments to the Constitution. So half of the states, you can't even do what they're doing in Ohio. And people need to understand that the federal constitution takes two thirds of the Congress and three quarters of the states to ratify a constitutional amendment. The founders knew and they believed that it should be difficult to amend the constitution. That should be the same in Ohio. And that's basically our case. Uh, but Mike, uh, you, you've been at the forefront of this, obviously getting HJR1 across the finish line. And now this August 8th, uh, measure is going to be on the ballot here in Ohio. If you would kind of give us a little bit of background and then a, a, a current an update on where we stand from your perspective. Thanks, Mark. You did an amazing job analyzing the situation and what's at stake with issue one. Look, ladies and gentlemen, if we want to protect our values, our way of life, we're a Midwestern state with Midwestern values. We vote yes on issue one on August 8th. As Mark said, as you said, Mark, moments ago, um, we're one of just a handful of states that allow for such an easy way to get into our state constitution. That's why liberal activists from Hollywood, California to New York City pick Ohio because of those few states that we're part of, we're the biggest. We're the test market state. We've got Cleveland, Columbus, Cincinnati, Toledo, Akron, Dayton. You know, people want to be in our state and they know because we elect good men and women to the state house. We elect good men and women to our executive branch. They can't get their radical agenda through the legislature. So what are they doing? They found a loophole in our system and they're buying their way into our state constitution. Look, we have blackjack craps and poker in our state constitution. Mark, you and I um, uh, have read uh, the United States Constitution. Our founding fathers never said we had a constitutional right to gamble. But yet here we are. Our state constitution has gambling in it. As you said moments ago, uh, pot, marijuana, weed, that's next. That's coming. We are at the doorstep of Planned Parenthood possibly coming in with late-term abortion this November, trying to get that into our state constitution, get rid of parental consent. And the list goes on and on. The the strength of the coalition for yes vote on issue one, our group, our side, is the diversity of our coalition. You see, for you and me, the issue is 100% about abortion. Absolutely. But for my next-door neighbor who's a police officer... His livelihood's on the line, organization uh, that wants to get rid of his uh, legal shield, qualified immunity, Second Amendment rights, family farming, so on and so forth. That's the diversity of our coalition. But we can stop all that, Mark, with a yes vote on issue one on August 8th. Planned Parenthood is coming, and we're just the tip of the spear. If, God forbid, they're successful this November, um, they're going to go on to the next and the next and the next, and they're going to continue to prostitute our state constitution. Yeah. Well, last year, around this time, we all celebrated the overturning of Roe versus Wade uh, because we had been working for almost 50 years to see that impediment removed so it could go to the state legislatures where we could decide unencumbered by the federal courts. And we have our heartbeat bill here in Ohio, which made history in 2019. And unfortunately, it's being held up by the state Supreme Court. My guess is, Mike, and I don't want you, you're going to have to put on your uh, prognostication uh, glasses here to let me know what you think of this. But I think the state Supreme Court's going to wait until after November to rule on the heartbeat bill. But we want to see that put back into effect. And that would happen, in my opinion, 
if we defeat this November uh, abortion amendment? You're absolutely right, Mark. You nailed it. Look, we go to the ballot box every two or four years and we elect uh, judges in Ohio, whether they be local judges or the Ohio Supreme Court. It's different than the federal side of things. And we as Ohioans prefer conservative justices that are strict mm-hmm. constructionists. And that's what our, our Ohio Supreme Court is currently make up. So I don't have a crystal ball, Mark, but I suspect that when the court does decide, and you're absolutely right, it'll happen after uh, the November election. Although I'd love for it to happen tomorrow because I believe sure. the Ohio Supreme Court will roll like the United States Supreme Court ruled. Yeah. There is no constitutional right to abortion. If the legislature right. wants to pass the law in Ohio that allows for abortion, they will. Now, we elect good men and women that won't do that. That's why we have elections. We, the people, have the power. The liberals hate that, that we elect good conservative pro-life men and women to our legislature. That's why they're trying to buy their way into our state constitution, of course. Um, but at the end of the day, the Ohio Supreme Court, in my opinion, when we are successful in August 8th, when we are successful beating Planned Parenthood in November, will rule the hot carpet bill to be constitutional because there is no federal right to abortion. And of course, there's no right to abortion in our state constitution either. And that's really what we're faced with, right? We're either going to end up with a heartbeat bill, which will be likely put into effect and enforced in 2024 sometime, or we could become California. I mean, that's what we're faced with, is it not? You're absolutely right, Mark. That's what's on the line this this August, this, this August election. That's why every person of faith, every person that cares deeply about uh, the, the issues of life, family, family values, uh, and all the other issues I spoke about earlier must show up. This is a turnout election. Look, the other side mm-hmm. is trying to energize their base. But we yeah. know when our people show up, whether it be in Franklin County, where I live, or God's country, I call Western Ohio from Toledo to Cincinnati, that's got great pro-life people. When we show up, we win because we are a Midwestern state with Midwestern values that care deeply of issues of faith, family, and life. But if we don't show up, if we decide to go to the pool instead or a vacation instead or just don't bother, we're going to lose. And we just talked about what will happen if we lose. We will become California because then every outside special interest that that is against everything we believe in love, Mark, will come in and prostitute our state's constitution with a handful of dollars. You know, last week we were on the road here in Ohio going to Cleveland, Cincinnati, Dayton, and I was asked by the media, do you guys feel confident that if you were to say not prevail on August 8th, that you could win in November? And I said, of course, I believe we can. But even beyond that, 60 percent is just reasonable. And I think most people understand that. Uh, And whether we win or not in, uh, in August, I think our odds are still good that we could win in November. But the point of the matter is we need this to be established now. I think there's been an attempt in the past to make this happen. Um, You know, we live in different times now, Micah. You understand this. They can't get it done through the legislature, through our representative republic. That's how we the founders set things up that way for a reason. They didn't believe in mob rule. They didn't believe 50 percent plus one should be deciding things as important policy issues like abortion. And I think you've made the best case that I've heard, and that is that policy issues stay with the legislature. The Constitution of Ohio is not a policy document. If you would elaborate a little bit on that, I think that's a a really strong argument uh, in favor of voting for issue one. 
We, the people, elect our state reps, both Democrat and Republican. We, the people, elect our state senators, both Democrat and Republican. And we hold them accountable every two and four yeah. years. If your specific state rep and state senator uh, vote the way you like and promote the values you prefer, you vote to reelect them. And if they don't, you have the power to go to the ballot box and vote for somebody else. We, the people, have the ultimate power. But that's taken away from us when out-of-state special interests buy their way in the Constitution, spend 50, 75, $100 million. It's so anti-democratic to do these policy issues in our constitution, Mark, because it's take it or leave it. When the ballot boards approve the language, we can't debate it. We can't say, oh, it's a, it, we can say it a better right. way or there's unintended consequences. That's what we do at the state house. When a bill's introduced, we have testimony. Right. You've testified. I've testified. The minority party gets to have their voice heard. The media scrutinize it. But with constitutional amendments, it is what it is. It's take it or leave it. And we can't discuss mm-hmm. unintended consequences. We can't discuss how technology may change in two, four, 10 years from now. It is what it is and cemented. It takes away our right to go and have freedom of assembly and freedom of speech at our public house, the state house. It's so anti-democratic to do that, what they're doing now. And we're saying, let's protect our democracy. Let's protect our constitution and vote yes on issue one. My guest is Mike Anadakis. He's the president of Ohio Right to Life. And friends, you can find out more about this upcoming special election on August 8th by going to voteyesohio.com. That's voteyesohio.com. Dot com. Donate to the to the cause. Uh, come to Ohio. We'll put you to work door to door. I mean, we've got a lot to get done between now and August 8th. We're what two two almost two weeks away from the vote. Uh, Mike, I, I want to get to some of the you know questions that are asked. And I, I want you to deal with these, of course. Yep. Um, <laughs> you know, the other side, it says one person, one vote, one person, one vote. Just put it up for a vote. How do you respond? Yeah, well, that, that's exactly what we do every two or four years, Mark. Um, we have one person, one vote. We elect our state reps. We elect our state senators and we elect our governor. If you and I ran for governor against each other and you got 51 votes and I got 49, you would be the governor of Ohio. We hold you accountable in four years from now based on your body of work. But what we're saying with the Constitution, it's still one person, one vote. This isn't Chicago where you vote early and often the Democrat way, the corrupt way in Illinois. This is Ohio. We're going to have one person, one vote. But we're saying is, look, if we are going to put something into the Constitution for life, we need to have broad consent of the governed. To do that. We can't just have a minority 51%. Look, Mark, yeah. last year, 2022, we had two state issues on the ballot. My wife and I both voted yes on both of them to put in our constitution. The first one that you had to be an American citizen to vote in Ohio. Didn't realize we had to do that, but we did it. Um, And the second one um, uh, kept violent criminals in jail and stopped woke judges from just letting them out on signature bonds. Mark, both issues passed with 77% of the vote. We're only asking for 60% on August 8th with the yes vote on issue one. 77%. So when good, we have good policy foundational, I, I'm not, excuse me, good constitutional protections and the broad consensus of men and women come together, Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservatives, 77% voted for it last year. That's in our constitution. A good thing. Marcy's law, 2018, 82% of Ohioans voted yes. Registered voters voted yes to put that. That had broad consensus. We came together as a population. Okay. 5149, save that for our elections. We don't put those things in our state constitution because we don't have broad consent of the governed, which leads to divisiveness. And as you said earlier, you want to you want us to be California? It's coming, ladies and gentlemen. If we it's don't coming. And, you know, we labored under 50 years of Roe v. Wade. I mean, we and finally our justices came to their senses. We had the right people uh, on the bench to 
reverse that heinous decision. But we lived with that for 50 years and it, it, it stymied the abortion debate. And it made it very difficult for, for uh, individuals through their elected representatives to affect change. And that can't happen on a policy issue like abortion in, in, in the state uh, constitution here in Ohio. It's been amended 172 times. Right. 172 times, people. I mean, come on now. I mean, 27 times for the federal constitution. It's extremely difficult to do, and it should be. And I think most hopefully people get that. I'm concerned that, you know, as we lose sight of our constitutional republic, that Americans don't believe so much in that anymore. But we'll find out. Uh, Let me ask you this, Mike. There's been some polling recently. I think it came out on Friday, maybe Thursday, USA Today in Suffolk came out with this poll 500 registered voter very small number uh, by the way uh, 57 percent said they vote no on issue one which is the special election on august 8 and 26 percent said yes and then the remainder i think that's 19 percent said they were undecided what do you make of this poll um, Mark, uh, I, I studied poll, polling for the past 16 years as president of Ohio Right to Life, and I can tell you, if you ask Democrat pollsters, Republican pollsters in a state of 11.9 million people, 8 million of which are registered voters, a sample size of 500 is a hogwash poll. I say that respectfully, um, but you know that's the only thing uh, the Columbus Dispatch could afford was 500-person poll. You have to do 1,000 to 1,500 uh, sample size to get a representative of our state. I'm putting zero stock in that. Um, you know, I still to this day, I've not met people that have actually been called and polled. Um, so I don't know who they're targeting or to get the answers that they want. Um, you know, I'm not claiming they're doing things nefarious, but it was a uh, very unscientific poll, phone poll, uh, or online poll, I think it was. Um, but at the end of the day, here's what we know, Mark. No one thought President Trump would win once. Heck, he won twice in Ohio. No one thought J.D. Vance had a chance. No one thought the Republicans could win this, that. Conservatives could win this, that. And funny thing is, on Election Day, we keep being successful. We have our work cut out for us on issue one. I make no mistakes. But at the end of the day, as long as our people show up and vote yes on issue one on August 8th, we are going to like the results on August 9th. Yeah, I don't pay attention to polls either. Unfortunately, I think some people do. Yeah. I don't want them to read this and be discouraged. Uh, if anything, I read this and say, okay, let's say it's true. It just means we got to work harder and be smarter in the next two weeks. Listen, things can sway very quickly. And I, I'm not giving any kind of credence to this poll. I know they've been wrong, historically wrong a lot. So um, the final poll we know is August 8th. That's one that's going to matter. If you would, Mike, wrap this up. Just give our listeners, our viewers, especially Ohio voters, uh, some marching orders as we focus in on August 8th and that uh, special election. And then, of course, what may be out there waiting for us in November, irrespective of the outcome on August 8th. Yeah, you know, um, to the men and women of Ohio, now is our chance. We get one chance at this to protect our Constitution. This issue is never coming back again. And if you care deeply about your children, your family, your way of life, your current values, the pro-life movement, your Second Amendment rights, your small business, you vote yes on issue one on August 8th. And after we win on August 8th, we work tirelessly to beat Planned Mm -hmm. Parenthood. They are attacking and assaulting our way of life because they hate our values, and they do not like who we elect to state government. They will spend 100 to $200 million, and they'll convince you what is left is right and right is left. But we can take a stand and defend our great Buckeye State with a yes vote on issue one on August 8th. Thank you, Mark. 
Amen. Mike Anadakis has been my guest today, president of Ohio Right to Life, and you can find out more by going to voteyesohio.com. Get involved, friends. Get involved. Uh, like I said at the onset of the program, uh, this is the mother of all battles. I mean, as Ohio goes, so goes the nation in so many ways. We've seen that with the presidential elections. Uh, there's a reason they picked Ohio, friends. If we can defeat it in Ohio, we can have a beachhead. We can say no more. We're not going 0 for 7. We're going to win one, and that will send shockwaves across the pro-abortion industry that they better think twice about trying this in other states. And from what we can tell, they're looking to 2024 to possibly do more of these, up to 12 from what I understand. So this is their playbook. I mean, they won in Michigan. They think it can happen in Ohio. We're saying no, not in our state, and we're out to defeat this. So, friends, again, voteyesohio.com. Get involved. Send some uh, a donation. Uh, come to Ohio if you can. If you can work remotely and just contact voters in Ohio, let them know. Get out and vote yes on August 8th. Uh, yes, vote for issue one. Again, Mike Anadakis has been my guest. Thanks for being on the show, Mike. God bless Thank you. you Thank you for God bless. Thank you. So, friends, I hope you appreciated the interview with Mike Anadakis, the president of Ohio Right to Life. Because it's game on in Ohio. Uh, we are less than two weeks away from the August 8th election, which would raise the threshold to 60 percent to the amend Ohio Constitution. Why is that important? Because in November, they have the signatures now, the valid signatures to put this on the ballot on November 7th. And so, uh, you know, this is a, going to be a crucial vote. If we win the vote, that is a vote, a yes vote on August 8th. I think our. Um, our odds are pretty good that we'll be able to defeat the constitutional amendment on November 7th. And, and also, I, I'd exhort you, if you're not in Ohio and you're not a voter here, that you can still affect the uh, the, the, the outcome. And that is you can uh, support Created Equal by going to createdequal.org and help us with our door-to-door campaigns, our overpass uh, outreaches, our public outreaches in town squares, uh, everything we're doing, phone banking, everything. So you can help us out by going to createdequal.org. And also, you can just let people know if you know someone in Ohio, you get them out to vote because this is a turnout election, friends. So, again, August 8th is the date. You're going to be hearing more on the program uh, in the coming days. Uh, in the coming days. So, all right, let's switch gears here. I wanted to go back to a video, a debate, if you will, uh, that we uh, had on the program here. I had my good friend and colleague Seth Dreher and I responding to some of the issues that were brought up in the debate between Destiny, if you recall, and uh, Kristen Hawkins and Lila Rose. One of the things we did not address was the issue of whether uh, when abortion is made illegal and considered homicide uh, in a state statute, which is happening in several states currently, what should the penalties be? Uh, so I want to address that. But first, we're going to go ahead and play this clip. Again, this is taken from the debate between Destiny, who's a pro-abortion advocate, uh, and uh, Lila Rose and Kristen Hawkins. So go ahead and play the clip. We have Alvin Sam here. If abortion is murder, should the woman be charged with that and go to jail credit to Rolla for this? Uh, Lila or Kristen, do you have a 
response to Alvin's chat here? I believe that those who commit murder, so the abortionists, those who would be assisting in the abortion, mm-hmm. could be tried with a crime. And actually, we've written laws at Students for Life Action that do make uh, committing abortion a, a criminal offense. We do not believe uh, that a woman should go to jail for m- abortion um, because, sadly, for 50 years in our country, we have told women that it's not murder and it's not killing. It's simply a removal of meaningless blobs of tissue that don't have any consciousness yet, um, which we know is false. And so we actually see her very much as a second victim of the abortion industry that tells her that she she can't, that she isn't capable enough, as you know, the argument that Destiny was making earlier, that women somehow aren't capable enough of walking around this earth uh, pregnant without, you know, being locked up or whatever to her potential miscarriage. Mm -hmm. Uh, We believe that she absolutely has the capacity to achieve her career goals and her educational goals. Um, But sadly, Planned Parenthood, the nation's largest abortion vendor and the abortion lobby, uh, has told her something different for the past 50 years. Uh, hold on, real quick. That's the worst answer ever. If uh-huh. you believe that abortion Thank is murder, then a woman should be held morally responsible for a conspiracy to commit murder if she goes to an abortion clinic. Full stop. End of discussion. If you think abortion is murder, mm. a woman going to get an mm. abortion would be the same as a woman going to get her one-year-old child killed. If abortion is murder, it's murder for everybody involved, including the woman. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm more of that position, which is that if it, there's obviously, when it comes to homicide, there's a lot of... Um, potentially mitigating factors, full intent, full knowledge, coercion. But I think, yes, if you're willfully and intentionally taking the life of your child, there should be criminal penalties. Well, there you go. Uh, Two pro-life advocates having different positions on whether women should be criminalized if they conduct or commit an illegal abortion. So what I want to do, I'm going to try to go through this as best as I can and give you my take. And that is this that the pro-life movement has historically held that the abortionist should be criminalized. That's Kristen Hawkins' position. That's been the position of every single pro-life advocate I can think of since I've been doing this. Uh, Because, why? Because they have full understanding of what they're doing. They're assembling the the instruments to dismember and decapitate and disembowel the preborn child. Uh, They're using ultrasound to guide the killing instruments. So they know exactly what they're doing, and they should be held accountable for sure. And I I think there's broad agreement on that. The difference of opinion is on whether women should be exempt from prosecution in the laws that criminalize abortion. Uh, Should they be given immunity? Uh, the, The historic position is Kristen Hawkins' position. That is that uh, women should not be criminalized because they're the second victim. Lila Rose, on the other hand, believes that there should be penalties for women based on their understanding of what they've done. I happen to believe that we should not be exempting women. Uh, I happen to believe we should not be writing into these laws that outlaw abortion immunity for women uh, because if we do, then it takes the teeth out of the law, uh, and it would be a violation of equal protection. Uh, If abortion is homicide, and if the state prosecutes homicide and criminalizes it, it, then there ought to be penalties for those who commit it. And if abortion is homicide, it's just like killing a two-year-old, as Destiny rightly pointed out. 
Now, it is true that women have been lied to over the last several decades. 50 years now, Planned Parenthood in the abortion industry has told women that abortion isn't murder. It's simply removing a blob of tissue. I understand that. But the pro-life movement has been uh, communicating a very different message, and that we, we have been saying all along that abortion is murder. Uh, yes, they've been lied to, but he, here's the bottom line. It's a little bit nuanced. I believe the laws should not exempt women. There should not be immunity for women. I believe that prosecutors should be given the freedom, if you will, discretion to do what they feel is best to prosecute the case. Sometimes, uh, even before the Roe v. Wade was handed down, uh, when, when, when it was illegal, uh, prosecutors would give uh, women immunity for their testimony against the abortionist. In order to get the abortionist, prosecutors would, would allow women to be exempt from, uh, from the, uh, the penalties of the crime for their testimony. I think that still will likely be the case in many cases. And therefore, we got to give the discretion to the prosecutors. But don't write that into the law. Don't exempt women from uh, these uh, penalties. That's a violation of equal protection. Now, the issue of the second victim is are women a second victim to abortion? I would say in many cases this is true, but in uh, many others it's not. Anybody that's spent any time outside an abortion clinic knows what I'm talking about. I say the majority of women that go inside an abortion mill know what they're doing. They absolutely do. This isn't difficult. They know that it's a human life inside them, uh, and they are exterminating that life. So I don't buy this idea that most women are second victims. There are going to be some, of course. And again, that's up to the prosecutor to figure out what level of culpability did they have? What level of knowledge did they have about what they were doing? That's something for the courts to figure out but not to exempt women in the laws. Also, you know, I've been on college campuses and this question has been brought up. What do you think you should do or the laws should reflect uh, as it relates to abortion if abortion is made illegal? And students will ask me and I will launch into a, a, a typically a little bit of a nuanced explanation because I don't think it's just like, oh, women should be criminalized or women should not be criminalized. I don't think that's an adequate answer. Either one of those is. There's more to it. But when I explain it, as I've just explained it to you, and I talk about how abortion is murder, and if the state finds abortion to be illegal, then it falls under the criminal codes for homicide, then women should be held accountable. Most students understand. They may not agree with me, but they understand that I'm being consistent. And I think it's important that we be consistent because we want equal protection for the unborn. So laws should not give immunity, blanket immunity to women who commit abortions when and if abortion is banned in a state, because this would be a violation of equal protection. Uh, and the prosecutors should be given uh, leeway, if you will, discretion to use the testimony, if they wish, of a woman to get the abortionist or if necessary, if they feel like some prosecution should be brought to the woman, then that is up to them to do. Finally, let me just say this. Things have changed. Uh, lots happened over the last two decades. Now the abortion pill is used 50% of the time to kill children. Uh, that's way up. Two decades ago, it was 5%. 
And my point is this. There is no abortionist in the abortion pill regimen situation. There is no surgical uh, uh, center abortion clinic that a woman would visit and an abortionist would kill their child. So we can't hold an abortionist accountable in the chemical abortion situation. We just can't because there is no abortionist. Now, there might be a, 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 a uh, online Zoom meeting with a physician, but in many cases, that's not happening nowadays, right? Because the FDA has, has basically wiped out all the regulations regarding pill abortions. Now you can get them by mail. Uh, who are we going to hold accountable there? Are we going to hold accountable the USPS uh, driver, you know, the mailman who delivers the pill? How about the, uh, the FedEx driver? Uh, the pharmacist, you know, where do we go from here? The fact of the matter is women know what they're doing for the most part. They are not a second victim, and we need to stop calling them that. In fact, in many cases, when you say they're a second, second victim, they feel like that is demeaning to them. They sometimes will respond by saying, I know exactly what I'm doing. Don't call me a second victim. And I think as time goes on, women know exactly what they're doing because Americans understand what abortion is and does. So anyway, it's a very complex question, but it's one that we, a debate that we need to have in the pro-life movement. We need to not be afraid of it. We need to go in and feel confident that we can make the case that abortion is murder, and therefore those who commit it should be held accountable, period. Like you said, you know, full stop. Uh, and, and, and be able to make the case in the public square to the American people. We're going to be called extremists in, initially for it. But over time, I think people will come along to our position. We should not be afraid of it. We should not hesitate to take it on. I know it's a hard argument to make, but just saying that women are victims and therefore they should be exempt from prosecution is an inadequate answer to the question. So anyway, that's my take on whether women should be prosecuted for illegal abortions. I believe it violates equal protection, and I believe that we need to treat the unborn like the born. Uh, and if laws are penalizing uh, people for killing born children, they also be penalizing people for killing unborn children, whether they're me mothers or they're hired assassins like abortionists. So anyway, that's my my position. I'd love to hear more from you. If you disagree, you can go to any of my social media sites to respond uh, in the descriptions of the uh, the show. You can email me as well by going to markharrington.org, markharrington.org. We'll see you next time. God bless you. God bless America. And remember America to bless God. You've been listening to Mark Harrington, your radio activist. For more information on how to make a difference for the cause of life, liberty, and justice, go to createdequal.org. To follow Mark, go to markharringtonshow.com. Be sure to tune in next time for your marching orders in the culture war.